Nehemiah chapter 1. We have been on a series this month of rebuilding. I hope that it's been more than just a few sermons that you've heard on Sunday and then you go home and don't do anything with what the word of the Lord has spoken to you. We had such a great visitation of the Lord last weekend. I feel perhaps though this may be one of the most important messages that I could deliver to you. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah. Verse number 2 said that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. Now, I don't think we fully understand what he just said because we don't understand the timeline. But from the time that Israel came out of Babylonian captivity, it was over 16 years before they actually got the temple rebuilt, probably closer to 20 years. But when it comes to this particular part of the story, it is almost 92 years after their return from Babylonian captivity. Now in that 92 year span, they have rebuilt an altar and they have rebuilt a temple. But the scripture says that even in spite of those two powerful components in their life, they were still afflicted. They were still being tormented. They were still being harassed. They were still being overrun to some degree. He said, they are in great affliction and they live under reproach and this is why the wall of Jerusalem is broken and the gates thereof are burned with fire chapter 2 you will find Nehemiah now in the city of Jerusalem he has made a tour of the city at night with some of the leading citizens And finally, he comes to them with his purpose. Verse 17, then said I unto them, you see the distress that we are in. Everybody say distress. You see the distress, the confusion, the chaos that's still going on in our life in spite of the fact that we have a rebuilt altar and we have a rebuilt temple. We have a place to sacrifice. We have a place to worship. But we are still in distress. And how Jerusalem lieth waste. Literally speaking, it means that is or that Jerusalem was vulnerable to anything their enemy 
wanted to do to them in spite of the fact they had a place to go worship and an altar to go present their sacrifices on. And he said, the gates thereof are burned with fire. So come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. Why? That we be no more a reproach. That we be no more the laughingstock of our enemy. Chapter 4, verse number 1, And it came to pass that when Sanballat heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth, he was angry. And he took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Will they revive the stone out of the heap of the rubbish which are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. Verse number 4 is Nehemiah praying, and he said, Hear, O God, O our God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head and give them for a prey in the land of captivity. Verse 6 says, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. I want to speak to you for a few moments this morning about the value of walls. The value of walls. And do you know the value of walls? God bless you. You may be seated. So much of our culture, we hear about the tearing down of walls. And I know that there are some that need to be torn down. I believe walls that separate us from family and walls of bitterness and hatred certainly need to be dealt with. But as certain as you need to tear some walls down, you better know how to build some walls in your life. And you better understand the value of those walls in your life. Because they will define your success or failure in life. I pray that somehow God could speak to us today. And that we could understand what the word of the Lord would say to us. It was in the flush of a great enthusiasm that they returned to their homeland And they went about reestablishing their homes. They began the reclaiming process of all that had been lost and that which had been wasted. They had rebuilt their altar and they had done so without any kind of resistance. They had instituted their sacrifices again and soon They found their way to rebuilding the temple. And though it was a lengthy process, they found in the rebuilding process of the temple that there were some 
that were not happy with what they were doing. As they began this rebuilding process, they discovered that there were those that did not want to see that accomplished. And when they turned their attention to rebuilding not only their lives, but their place of worship, there was a battle that came that many of them no doubt were shocked by because they were thrilled with the enthusiasm of Cyrus's edict that they were to rebuild the wall. And then after a great battle, they were able to succeed in that task. I remind you again this morning that any time you make up in your mind that you are going to live a better life, that you are going to consecrate yourself or dedicate yourself or commit yourself to God in a deeper way, you ought to get ready for the battle that's going to come. Amen. Because there is an enemy that does not want to see that happen. It's not just the devil. We want to blame it on the devil. Well, the devil doesn't want me to do this. I'm going to tell you what your worst enemy is. It's sitting right with you right now. It's your flesh. Your carnality. That nature that's kin to the fall. That part of me and part of you does not want transformation. And so it in itself will fight you It will intimidate you. It will assault your mind and it will attack you at every corner because it does not want to see a rebuilt man or a rebuilt woman. It does not want to see a man or a woman that is sold out to not only sacrifice, but sold out to worship. And so the threats came and they built and they built under that threat. But now here we are. Some 93 years later, from the time that they had come out of Babylonian captivity, and now they have turned their attention to building the walls. Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed the city. He had ransacked it. He had torn down every block of timber and every stone of their temple and to their walls. He had burned their gates And he had thrown down those bulwarks that had been such a part of their past history. And Nehemiah comes, arises in this moment to lead Israel into a rebuilding of these walls. It was after he had received word of what the conditions were in his beloved city that he was so greatly moved. And I read it to you again, the remnant that are left are in great affliction and reproach. And so uh, he was given permission to return and he visits the city and he sees firsthand the chaos and the pitiful condition, the rubbish and all of the, uh, the gaping holes and the easy access. And so Nehemiah set about to change the atmosphere of Jerusalem. I would to God this morning that somehow God could go inside of us today and get a hold of us 
so that the spirit of Nehemiah would rise in us and that we would desire to change the atmosphere in which we are presently living, to see the need of a change in that atmosphere and to realize, you know what, I can do better than this. I can live better than this. I can live closer to God. I can be more in tune with God. I can be more committed to him. I can be more in line with him in his word. And so in turn, he stirs the people and so they busy themselves in beginning the process of rebuilding. Why would they rebuild the walls? They had a place to worship. They had an altar to sacrifice. What is so significant or important about these walls? It is of great interest to me when I read this and I read it again last night and I've read the book of Ezra and Haggai and Zechariah multiple times over the last few weeks, and I have found it significant that there was no confrontation when they built an altar. There was some confrontation when they built the temple, but when they started trying to erect the walls, the greatest and most severe attack came against them at that moment in time. It is interesting to me. I believe it is significant that the enemy would fight them so hard and on so many fronts, internally, externally, threatening them, challenging them, intimidating them, mocking them, ridiculing them, laughing and scorning at their efforts, saying that even if they build it, a fox leaning against it would cause it to fall over. All for the purpose of discouraging them in what they were doing because there was something significant about these walls that their enemy did not want to see brought back together. They did not want to see them living not only with an altar and a temple in their life, but they didn't want to see them living with walls around them, walls of protection and walls of safety. And so the enemy unleashed its to try to stop them from rebuilding their walls. It seems to me that the enemy doesn't mind you having an altar and he doesn't mind you having a rebuilt temple as long as he still has access to your life. He doesn't care how many times you come to an altar and talk in tongues. He doesn't care how blessed you get today in the presence of God. He doesn't care that you've offered sacrifices on the altar and you've made all of these sacrifices to God. What he dreads and fears the most is when you take what happens here and you go out of this place And you start drawing lines and putting parameters on your life and saying, this is mine. This belongs to me. This is God's property. And you are not welcome on God's property. Amen. I am convinced that the reason many people 
cannot retain the gains that they receive in a service. I am convinced that the reason people that when they come to an altar and they pray through and they talk in tongues and they shout and they blubber and they snot all over everything and everybody and everybody else dances and shouts with them and yet the next week they're back battling the same stuff. It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that you could come to a service, be lifted up in the presence of God, the word of God speak to you, the word of God minister to you, the word of God give you wisdom, the word of God give you understanding, the word of God give you knowledge, and yet you walk out these doors and that word of knowledge, that word of wisdom, that gift that God gave you goes for nothing. And it's because there are no walls that can help keep what you have received in your life. And the enemy doesn't care if you come to church. I know you don't believe that. I know you think that. I know that's contrary to what some people have said. Maybe I've even said, but I've come to believe this. He doesn't mind me coming, sitting on this pew. Just as long as when I go out, I'm still just as dysfunctional and he still has the same access. He can still come and run his trash through my life. He can still come with all of his intimidation and mockery and it affect me. And evidently it had affected Israel after all these years. They had go to church, they'd worship, they'd see the presence of God, the Shekinah glory fill the temple. And yet when they went back out, there their enemy was. Selling its wares in their street even on the Sabbath day. Violating one of God's principles that he had given them that they were to keep that seventh day holy unto the Lord. It's because there were no walls. You and I need to understand something about our enemy. My enemy doesn't want me to be whole. I'm going to tell you something. You listen to me right now. Your enemy doesn't care if you get healed. As long as you're never made whole. There's a vast difference between receiving a healing and being made whole because when I am made whole, not just my body is affected, but my mind and my spirit are included in the bargain. God not only makes right what's wrong in this tabernacle, but he makes right what is in this mind that affects this tabernacle. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord right now. And so he doesn't care if I'm healed as long as I never get to the place where I'm whole. And you hear me. You know what it took for Israel to be whole? An altar and a temple and walls. An altar and a temple and walls. Because walls identified something in their life. Walls designated something in their life. Walls represented something in their life. And my enemy doesn't want me to be whole. 
And in order for me to be whole, you hear me? It's going to take more than me just being able to talk in tongues when the Spirit moves in my life. It's going to involve me taking what that talking in tongues did for me and translating it into my life when I walk out those doors so that there are some things that I will not allow in my life. There are some things that are not going to go on inside these gates. There are some things that are not permitted to come here. There are some lines that I'm going to draw in my life and I am not going to give my enemy access to my life. I am designating this as God's property. This belongs to God and I will not allow anything to invade it that doesn't belong here. This is something else you need to understand about an enemy. An enemy can be your friend. An enemy's not a bad thing. How, how could that be? I'll tell you how. Having an enemy is proof that you are somebody. There must be some value or worth to your life or the devil wouldn't be wasting his time trying to torment you like you have been tormented. There's got to be a reason. The reason that you have an enemy is because you have a purpose and he wants to destroy or defile or divert that purpose from being fulfilled. And so all he needs is access. He just needs a door left open or a wall not built so that he can come in and out whenever he wants to. You say, I don't believe that. Go read the story again. They had an altar and they had a temple, but they were still being tormented. They were still being harassed. Because somebody forgot, we got to keep some things out of here. We got to draw some lines and say, you know what? You're you're not coming in here anytime you want to come into my life. I'm only going to let in what I want into my life. Oh, come on. You see, men who never move or never run against anything and never face opposition who are never challenged in their situation are not going to run up against any kind of resistance. But a man or a woman that determines, I'm going to change the atmosphere around here. I'm tired of losing my games. Amen. I'm tired of losing my games. I mean, if I really am honest with myself and I look at my life, the trajectory of my life over the last 40 years, I've been... 40 years I've been living for God or 50 years or 20 years I've been living for God. I wonder how that trajectory would go. For many people, it's just a flat line. There was that day when they received the Holy Ghost and God transformed them. But from that point on, it's kind of been like a heartbeat. (laughs) Highs and lows, highs and lows. And yet what scripture defines for my life is something that's this way. It's an upward path. It is moving with purpose. So what causes this and not this? 
it has to be that somewhere along the line, what God is giving me and what God is investing in me and what God is putting in my life is not being used properly and it's being squandered because I am vulnerable to any kind of attack. You know what? I'm going to tell you something. All it takes is for you to wake up tomorrow morning and your flesh tell you, you there was nothing to yesterday. And you know what? The sad truth is, some of you are going to say, yeah, that's right. It was just, I, just was, I was just too emotional. He just got me too excited. You know, he's, he just kind of jumps around. He gets everybody that way. I bought some even though I didn't want some. Everybody else was. And you know what happens? Instead of us rebuffing that and said, oh no, you're not welcome in this house. You're not come. I know what God did yesterday and I'm going to translate that into my life this week. We buy into the lie that it was nothing. It was just an emotional service. You know how that goes. And we're back to the struggle. We're back to this battling these things. You see, walls are going to limit access in my life. They are going to be boundaries, lines that are drawn in my life that will prevent my enemy from having free access to my life. Now, I want to tell you why walls are important. You need to listen to me right now. I'm, I'm going to slow down a little bit and try to keep my... my my, my temperature light down a little bit. But number one, walls define a purpose. You do not put a wall up for no reason at all. Why do you have a fence around your property that you bought? Why aren't there just open lanes? I mean, that's, I mean, you own it. But when there are no fences, there's no way of knowing how far your neighbor can go before they're on your property. And when there's no lines drawn, when there are no fences in place, if he wants to expand his residence, he can just move right over on a few feet of your property. And now what are you going to do? The reason that we have walls is because there's a purpose in a wall. It defines who I am. It defines what is mine. It defines why I'm even here. I'm not a wasted lump of clay. I'm not an accident. I have a divine purpose for my life. God didn't allow me to live this long and live through all I've lived through just so I could get a little button at the end of life and a little star over here said, man, you made it. God has brought me through all this because I am important to him and I am of value to him. And the enemy would love to do something that would help thwart that. He would love to do something to help frustrate that so that you never understand that there's a purpose in your life. There's a reason for lines to be drawn. Everybody say there's a reason. The reason they exist 
is to determine and define the worth of something in your life. If it doesn't count, if it's not important, if it's not of any value, who cares? Now, I know some of you have shoes that you work in your yard with. They probably have grass stains on them. They may even have holes in them. Probably have mud on them. Maybe something else. Who knows? But I didn't see any of you working, walking, walking in the church with them on this morning. Because what you do with them defines where they go. And so when I draw a line in my life, I am defining its usefulness. I am saying this matters. This is important. This counts. I don't want to just keep living from one high to the next high. I want to learn how to incorporate the principles of God's word in my life so that on a daily basis, I can confront my enemy and say, oh, no, 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 that's my property. You're not building on my property. You're not moving into my territory. You're not coming into my house. Reason you have a door on your house. Now, I know you want to keep your dog in. But is that the only reason you have a door on your house? The reason you have a door on your house is because there's some things you don't want to let in your house. I don't know about your neighborhood, but my neighborhood, we have skunks that prowl around every once in a while. Possums, raccoons, squirrels, stray dogs, even people that don't belong in my neighborhood. Now, if there was no doorway or no door there, I I have a feeling that I might wake up in the middle of the night and have somebody in my house that I don't want in my house. I not only have a door on my house, I have a lock on my door. You say, Brother what are you afraid of? I'm not afraid of anything. I'm protecting what is important to me. I am protecting what I value in my life. This is important here. I don't want somebody coming in and violating my children. I don't want somebody coming in and having free access in my house. I don't want somebody coming in, eating out of my refrigerator and getting into my pantry. I want there to be something of value placed on my home so that not just anybody can have access to that house. And that's what the devil fights you so severely because the culture we live in says, oh, come on, get a grip. This, he, he is an old fogey. He is out of time, out of step with time, but out of step or whatever old, I agree, 
But I'm here to tell you that the thing that will bring the blessings of God in your life is to not have an open, freewheeling life, but to have a life where there are boundaries and parameters where you say, this belongs to God. I will not violate it with that. I will not allow that into my house. I will not endorse that in my living. Walls define ownership. They define ownership. Your enemy, you listen to me. If there's anything that my flesh and the devil would love to do to me is to keep me confused about who I am. Am I forgiven? I don't know. Did that really work? I don't know. Does God really love you? Well, I don't know. How could he love you when, look at what all you did this week. I mean, could God really want you? Would he want to embrace you knowing some of the things that you've thought? And so there is a war that goes on in my mind and there's a war that goes on in my spirit trying to prevent me from ever embracing the fact that God called me his child. He called me his son. He said, that's mine. I claim that. I have ownership of that. And if there's anything the devil would like to do in our life is to prevent us from ever being able to identify who we are. And I want to tell you something. You cannot be his child and a child of the world at the same time. You cannot. You cannot say, well, I'm a Christian and yet you're still doing all the stuff that is identified with the world. I mean, you lie, you cheat, you steal, you curse, you drink. There's a separation that should come in a person's life when they become part of his family and said, you know what? I don't do, those are unclean. They will defile my temple. And this temple is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And so I draw lines in my life. And I know this is not popular preaching. I know it's not. I can tell I'm hitting a, broad, a brick wall right now with some of you. I'm hitting a wall because you don't believe that's it. You, you don't think that's necessary. But I'm telling you what defines your success or failure in life. is not that you came to church today. What defines... The success of my life is what I'm going to do with what I got when I got here. And I go out those doors. What kind of walls am I going to build around my house, around my life? And how am I going to identify myself? I am a child of God. I'm not a child of darkness. I'm not a child of fear. I'm not a child of doubt. I'm not a child of worry. I'm not a child of anxiety. I'm not a child of anger. I'm not a child of bitterness. I'm not a child of hate. I'm a child of God. I have been redeemed by the blood. His blood has covered my sin. I belong to him and he is mine. 
I'm going to hurry. Walls define what you're willing to protect. Walls define what you're willing to protect. Is your home worth protecting? Is your soul worth protecting? You see what the walls protected was their home and their church and their altar. What are you willing to protect? Because whatever you're willing to protect is going to require a wall so that that there is no easy access for an enemy to come in and wreak havoc. Walls define limits. There are limits on my life. I want to tell you what's wrong right now with a lot of people in our world and even in the church is that we have lost our filter. There is no filter in this, on this culture. They talk about anything. They express everything. They take pictures of everything. My Lord, I don't need to know what you're doing at home in your private moment. You don't have to put it on Instagram. That's none of my business. I don't need to know. I don't care to know how you look in that or how you don't look in that. But our world has lost its filter. So that there's nothing we won't say. There's nothing we won't do. There's nothing wrong anymore. There are no lines. But a wall defines a limit that says, you know what? That's as far as you come. You're not getting any closer to me. That's as far as it goes. There are some things that I will not allow myself to do because I am a Christian. Get me? Not because I am a Christian, grace covers what I do. That is the biggest lie that hell has ever perpetrated. That we live under grace. It doesn't matter what you do. God's grace covers it all. God's grace can cover anything and it does cover everything. But that does not give me an excuse to exploit the grace of God and say, well, you know what? That's just me. That's just me. I'm just being human. There needs to be some lines. And that's what the enemy fought them the worst over was drawing lines in their life and saying, you know what? We're not going to let that happen in our house. We're not going to let that happen in our home. We're not going to let that into our city. We're not going to let that into our mind. I'm not going to let that have access to my feelings, my spirit. I'm not going to give vent to that. You know what I've learned? I don't have to speak everything I feel. And I certainly don't have to say everything I think because I have news for you. My mind doesn't always think good things. Now, I know some of your halos are tilted right now, but you don't ever think anything but pure thoughts. But the fact is, there's things that go through my mind that embarrass me. They shame me, but they're not going to define me. 
because they're not going to stay. I'm not going to entertain them and say, well, you know, nobody knows about it. Nobody can see it. I don't want them in my mind. I don't like them coming into my mind. I can't stop them from coming through my mind, but I can keep them from staying. And the way I can keep them from staying is that I have a wall there and say, no, 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 no. You go right out that gate. You're not welcome in this place. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. Come on, stand with me. I'm through. I'm not through, but I need to be through. Walls, listen to me, church. Walls strengthen your position. They give you the advantage over your enemy rather than your enemy having advantage over you. They give you moral courage. Amen. They are a sign to your enemy of what you're willing to fight for. What are you willing to fight for? Are you willing to fight for your integrity? Your character? Are you willing to draw lines around your life that will define not who you love. You love everybody. But who you allow into your life. Just because I love somebody doesn't mean I'm going to open my door to them. What are you willing to fight for, church? Is there anything in your life that's worth fighting for? Is your faith worth fighting for? We, Brother, uh, Brother Jason preached about this last weekend. I mean, what, what is it in your life that's worth fighting for? What I believe? I mean, the, the greatest battle that's going on in the mind of people in the spirit world right now is about our belief system. Well, that's too harsh. That's too radical. That's too this. That's too that. God, that, that, that excludes too many people. When you preach that way, that you must repent of your sins. Oh, but what about the man that has good works? I'm not the judge. I'm just telling you what the word said. Except you repent, you shall all perish. I didn't say that. God said that. God drew a line and said, this is where it's at. God's not going to move his lines to accommodate my flesh. And there's a lot of people in our world that are toying with their belief systems and they're letting the culture that they live in have a greater influence on them. Well, you know, that's a, they're a good person and they do all these great things and how can we exclude? I'm not excluding anybody. I'm just saying that God drew a line. Now it's my responsibility to live within that line. I don't get to move that line because it's inconvenient. I don't get to move that line because I don't like where it's at. God said, you want my blessings? Come on this side of that line and I'll pour out blessings in your life that you can't contain. And for almost 93 years, or 
really 60-something years from the time they built the temple or rebuilt it until these walls were built. The enemy wrecked havoc in their life, even though they had an altar and a temple, but they had no walls. You see, the temple is about God. The walls are about me. What's important, what I value, what's worth fighting for, what's worth preserving, what's worth holding on to. And if there's anything our enemy would love to do, and it's not always your, the devil that's doing this. More often than not, I find my flesh battling me over my lines. Couldn't you just move it this way a little bit? I mean, just a, I mean, we're not talking about, it's just, I mean, in, in, the, in, in the scope of eternity, two foot or a mile even in the scope of eternity. God said, there's the line. Curse over here, blessing over here. You choose which side of that line you're going to live on. And I preached this not long ago, but on the side, the mountain where the curse was placed, God had every commandment that he had just given Moses of all the blessings of God and all the commandments of God written in stone and put as a memorial on that mountain so that if somebody went that direction and they got up to that mountain and they found out they didn't want to live there any longer, if they came back, they were going to be confronted with the fact that this is what it's going to take to be blessed. If you want to get over on that side, you're still going to have to do this. God never changed one iota of his command. Now, God will bless me. God will move. He will touch me because that's the kind of God he is. But just because God touched me this morning doesn't mean that I am where I need to be. What I need to do tonight is check my walls in my life and see, are they there? Do I have the gates on my wall? Do I have a protection around my life? Have I built my life so that there is a limitation to what has access to my mind and my spirit? Amen. Let's pray right now. Father, we love you. I don't even know how to call this to a conclusion, Lord. I, I don't know how to even begin to call your people to prayer, but I know that your spirit is moving right now, God. And I am believing that you are stirring someone in this building today, someone who has not thought much of their wall because they've been too busy worshiping in the temple. They've been too busy shouting and praying and talking in tongue. And they don't seem to understand that they're losing so much when they leave, not because there's nothing to what God's done, but because there's no wall in their life to help preserve what God has done. God, I pray this morning that you will help us, that we will begin to draw parameters in our life and that we will draw boundaries, that we will live with boundaries, that we will say no 
I'm not going to let that happen. I'm not going to think that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to excuse that any longer. Amen. Are you tired of being prey to an enemy of trouble and shame and condemnation? Listen to me right now. Would you hear me in the Holy Ghost? Are you tired of living with the condemnation that you have lived under? Because when you go out these doors, what goes on out there is not always reflective of what went on in here. I'm going to tell you how to eliminate that. Get some walls built in your life. Get some walls built around you. Praise God. Church, would you come right now? I'm not going to keep you for just a moment. I feel like we all need to come, everybody. Just come up as close as you can just for a moment. Missing walls lead me vulnerable to my enemy, to attack me, to come against me, to tear down every good thing that God has tried to build up in my life. They allow the enemy to influence my life in ways that I don't want him influencing me. I need to draw some boundaries. I need some lines in my life. Now, I want you to talk. I don't want you praying for anybody else right now. I want you praying for yourself. The Holy Ghost is in this place. And I'm telling some of you right now, the reason that you have battled condemnation in your life it's not because you didn't <coughs> speak in tongues or tongues wasn't real or the presence of God or the Spirit of God wasn't real. But it's because when you go outside this building, there are no walls in your life to preserve what God is doing in this place. God, help me to get to building. Help me to build some walls in my life. Help me to become a wall builder. In my own heart and life, in my family, God, let me define what is valuable, what is important to me. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.